Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. You may not realize it, but you, my friend, are a walking sermon. Are you living in the power of his resurrection? And is his resurrection on display in your life? Those are what we're going to talk about the topics today with Carrie Headington. She's an evangelist who speaks all around the world, sharing the abundant life found in Jesus with not only spiritual seekers, but Christians uh, as well. She's the founder of the Good News Initiative, which provides resources in evangelism. And she works with all Christian denominations, um, equipping congregations to be the hands and feet and mouthpieces for God in their communities. She's a graduate of Yale University, Harvard University, where she got her master's, and then she got two graduate degrees in theology, evangelism, and apologetics from Oxford, which I think is in Europe. She's also an adjunct professor at uh, of evangelism at Fuller Seminary and is an author on evangelism and a frequent blogger. She also happens to be married to Dr. Greg Heddington. If you're connecting all the dots, that's who she is. So glad to have you back on the program. Carrie, welcome. Bill, thank you so much. Bill, I've missed being on your Tell me. your show. I've been <laughs> taking care of my dad and uh what a privilege that is, but I've I've definitely missed being on your show. I've been I've been listening in though. So oh, good. I I'm so so grateful to you. Well, so perfect day to talk about the resurrection and resurrection life, um, the that that beautiful promise of Jesus that He will give us living water welling up to eternal life. So I've been thinking thinking a lot about that. And you know, summer Bill is often a time to reflect on our lives and take a breath and get restored. It's often a time to reboot. Um, Some folks get to take a vacation, some don't, um, Mm -hmm. but we definitely have images of beaches and swimming, and we think, you know, what, boy, that's the good life, but we know as followers of Jesus that, that that is not the good life, that what Jesus talks about is the abundant life. Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life in abundance. He says in John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life in abundance. And that abundant life is better than a vacation or swimming in a pool. Oh, amen, Carrie. Total restoration. Mm-hmm. Total restoration of all that is broken. And of course, the way that that has happened is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I've been thinking so much, uh, especially this summer, and uh, just sharing, I've been caring for 
uh, parents and at this season of life. And I've been thinking so much about the resurrection, the hope we have in the resurrection for eternal life. But also, as John says, eternal life begins here and now. And I've been thinking a lot, what is the resurrection life? What is, it is a force, as Paul says, the Apostle Paul said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of each one of us. And I know at this season of life when often I have felt on on empty and, boy, I don't have enough strength um, for the next minute, and I've been praying, and I, I've been claiming this promise in my own life, you know, Lord Jesus, you promise that the same spirit that raised you from the dead lives in me. So help me, help me to be able to care for others in my family. Help me, give me this supernatural strength, your strength, Lord, your strength, Holy Spirit, that raised you from the dead. And so I want to look at, I really, really want to look at that today, Bill. Mm, I like that. And just what you're doing for your your dad, I mean, it is such a sacred gift to be able to be there for him during this season of life. Uh, But you can't do that alone, Carrie, and you know that to be true. Absolutely. And and all of us have come to times in our lives, you know, and actually we're there every day. Our, Our very breath itself, every morning when we open our eyes, we should... Thank God for the spirit of the resurrection. Um, but I think especially when when we're confronted with um, the, the mortality of others and our own mortality, we think about the resurrection especially. Um, so I, I'd love, Bill, today to kind of go back and start with the reality of the historical resurrection itself. So as we explore what is resurrection life, to look at look at it in three ways. One is to look at the historical reality of the resurrection, then to go into the story and kind of unpack what did Jesus actually do on the cross through his death and resurrection. So look at it that way, how he he reversed the brokenness and the death and the alienation and everything that seeks to crush us in life. And then what does it look like to get that resurrection? The third part of today to look at, look at the reality of the resurrection and then look at it in a very practical way. How do we tap into that in, in our daily lives? How does, how does that plan sound? I think it sounds fantastic. And I will be your caddy. I will carry your clubs and I will, I will let you uh, lead the way. Okay, and so uh, when we need a break, just let me know. I will, yeah, good. So so I want to begin with the, the reality of the resurrection. I had the great joy um, a few weeks ago um, to meet Lee Strobel, who wrote the Case, case for Christ and um, had, had researched in depth for many years. Uh, his wife was... Uh, it was and is a believer. He was not. He went to Yale Law School. He was this um, ardent atheist, and he set out to disprove 
the resurrection, and he he was a journalist at the Chicago Tribune, and so he approached it with that that rigor of a journalist and looked at the evidence for the resurrection. That book was so formative for me um, as a believer, and so I had a chance just to thank him for it and and talk about the reality of the resurrection again. But we were talking about, um, we started talking together, thinking about the rapid growth of the early church, that they were people who had encountered the risen Jesus and were so changed by his grace freely given. And how much, I mean, they went from, you know, the small band of 12 and it just exploded um, and it points to the reality that the resurrection is the turning point in human history. Um, Oxford scholar Michael Green said these disciples went from beaten down, depressed, former followers of Jesus to lively, strong, bold, transformed heralds of the risen Christ. And exactly what you said today are we are we carrying that resurrection news with us in our daily lives? And what is amazing, within 30 years, we know from the history books that the news of the resurrection had spread to much of the known world. How how encouraging! How incredible that is! They were absolutely enlivened by the reality of the resurrection. And scholar J. P. Moreland notes that when a major cultural shift takes place, historians always look for events that can explain it. And then he goes on to say there has been no more major cultural shift than the exponential growth of the apostolic church. And what I love, and uh, of course Lee Strobel is a perfect example of this, what I love is is some of the most um, in-depth, insightful, convincing books on the reality of the resurrection were um, written by people who set out to discount it. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilbert West, uh, in the 18th century, uh, Lord Littleton challenged him, and and they said, I know how we can make a lot of money. We're going to set out to disprove the resurrection, and Gilbert West, the atheist found so much evidence and support that he uh, became a believer and wrote a book called the Resurrect Book on the Resurrection. Instead, uh, we have in the 19th century a fervent atheist called Ingersoll uh, attempted to discredit Christianity. He was uh, he set out and he commissioned his buddy the famous American general, Lew Wallace, to join him and and write a book on the historical unreliability of the resurrection of Jesus. And General Wallace found so much evidence in support of the resurrection of Jesus that he became a believer and wrote a book called Ben-Hur instead. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. I have seen the movie, yeah. (laughs) And then the 20th century... Uh, the lawyer and journalist uh, Frank Morrison, who moved the stone, set out to disprove it, found so much evidence. And then, of course, uh, one of my favorites, as I said, is is Lee Strobel. And in 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 uh, recent years, and 
boy, the the rigor that he goes into and the depth that he goes into that book in the case for Christ um, is is so convincing. And that's so encouraging. You know, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our faith is futile. And, of course, we know that he was raised from the dead. It is a historical fact. Mm-hmm. And and that's why the followers of Jesus, you know, think about uh, Peter and John when they were brought before the Sanhedrin, and they said, you have got to stay silent about this. They said, we cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. We can't help it. I love that. Let me take my first break. Carrie Headington is my guest. We're talking about living the resurrected life. And I love the foundation uh, that we're starting with, just talking about the resurrection, being reminded of how even the most uh, strident atheists will say, I'm going to disprove this. They examine the evidence and they become believers. That's pretty amazing, but it isn't. We'll take a break. Be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. We're talking about the resurrected life today. There is no chain that could bind him and death couldn't keep him and the, the stone couldn't keep him in the grave and Satan couldn't keep him in the grave. So we have this life of freedom because of the resurrected Savior, Jesus I'm talking to Carrie Heddington today, and we're discussing this very topic. If you have a comment or question, you can always text it over, 877-933-2484. So, yeah, Carrie, I love I love the stories of people, especially atheists, that say, I'm going to disprove this, and they become believers. It it is It is so encouraging. And, you know, for myself, I, I set out, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to go to Oxford, I'm going to I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at the evidence for the resurrection. And my friend said, well, what if you what if you find out it's not true? And I said, well, I don't want to follow a lie. But I left more convinced than ever that Jesus was and is the Son of God. And so many times in talking with other students and, you know, we, we had debates with the Atheist Society and always taking them back. I saw a number of students become believers just looking at the evidence for the resurrection and saying, go back, look at this historical fact. Do you believe it happened? And looking at it, if the answer is yes, and almost to a person it was after they looked in depth at the evidence for the resurrection to say, what does in that say about Jesus? And then what is that? What is God asking you to do? So we just need to remember that faith in the New Testament 
is not a leap in the dark. It's not wishful thinking. It is a step into ultimate reality based on historical fact. Faith, belief, pisteu means this is so strong. What Jesus did, who he was and who he is, we can bank our lives on it. It's to trust, to commit to, to put your weight down on. So knowing that, knowing that, knowing that um, we, 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 can, we can bank our very lives on the reality of the resurrection, and Paul says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of each of us, how then, what does that mean? Let's unpack it, and then we're going to look at uh, how then we can live in the fullness of that. And to unpack it, I want to get a little bit granular with our listeners today, if if that's okay, on the on the drive home this afternoon, to look at the resurrection. In many ways, we we need to go back to creation and go back to Genesis one and look at the life that God originally planned for us. You know, a lot of people looking at our world today will say, hey, if God created this world or if this is the kind of world that God has for us, I want nothing of this God. Hmm. And we take them back and say, look, the world that you see was not God's original design. And we, we, we take folks back to God's dream, God's vision, looking at Genesis 1, and oh, by the way, looking at these images from the James Webb telescope, doesn't that really open up the the creation of the world to us even, even more powerfully these days, looking at those images? But creation, we go back to the beginning, in the beginning, God, and he created everything that is, and that that life that he created for humanity, for human beings at the very beginning was so good. And what Genesis 1 shows is that we were in perfect harmony with God. He was the very air we breathed. He gave us an abundance, all that was and is. He gave to us. Everything was perfect peace. Human beings were in perfect peace with one another. We were in perfect peace with God. And we were in perfect peace with the whole of creation. And God, out of love, you know, the heart of the universe is a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, out of love, out of his great love, created all of this. And we see this vision of perfect peace where no one goes without, justice for all, total abundance, provision, and total love. But, of course, we know the story well and I want to look at the fall a little bit, Bill, because it informs what Jesus did on the cross and then what the reality of the resurrection brings for us. Sounds good. Of course, uh, in the fall, we turn away from God's way of perfect love. And we say, no, thank you very much, God, but we're going to go our own way. It's that, that ultimate rebellion that says we want to we want to be our own gods. We want to we want to create our own lives. We want to go against your way of love. It's it's selfishness. It's disobedience, um, and that's when we see 
the world that we know it, this broken, groaning, alienated, death-centered world that that we are living in right now. We 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 see, um, and we see five five kinds of brokenness. And um, I want to look at that a little bit, and then look at how Jesus' resurrection turns us around. The first is um, internal brokenness. Internal brokenness. Of course, it says right there in Genesis three, which documents it's a it's a pretty harsh diagnostic uh, of the world today of the human condition. The first thing that that Adam does is he hides, and and God's first question is, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Why are you hiding? And uh, I remember I was talking with a Cambridge scholar, and he said, Carrie, you're not about to take me to the story of Adam and Eve. And I said, just listen to it and see if it rings a bell. And after this diagnostic, he said, wow. So the first is that internal brokenness where we want to hide. We are not comfortable in our own skin. We want to wear a mask. We think to ourselves, if anyone ever knew that about me, they would run away. It's that sense of not feeling comfortable in our own skin and that self-loathing. And we are, boy, especially with with social media, we are seeing just a a spewing of that, of people wanting to to put on masks and to hide. Uh, And we're seeing that so, so clearly. So internal brokenness. The second kind of brokenness that happened during the fall was 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 social brokenness i would even say social death that hatred entered the world the ego um all of a sudden you know the blame game started you know well, why did this happen adam and adam says well eve did it and eve said well the serpent made me do it and the blame game starts and we see that at the core of all human relationships that division Um, We see it sociologically. We see it in our geopolitics with wars. So social brokenness started. Yeah. Carrie, I think we're going to hit pause at this point because you've got five to cover. You've already covered two. So we'll cover the other three after the break. You got it. If that sounds like a plan, because I want to make sure I'm not rushing you through any of this because it's so good. That's a great plan. Yeah. And I want to make sure we... Take our time with this. This is a good. Carrie Headington is my guest. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on living the resurrected life. Because as you walk around, you are a walking sermon, and you may be the only Bible anyone ever reads. So you have to be equipped, ready to go, living a joyful, resurrected life, the one that God gives us, that freedom in Christ that we have. We will take a short break and be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. 
faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. It is a beautiful day here in the Twin Cities. I, I don't know if you are, have signed up for the verse of the day on such a beautiful day as this, but today's verse comes from Second John 1, 6. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So you can go over to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for the verse of the day. I am so happy to have Carrie Headington back on the show uh, she is an evangelist who speaks all over the world, and I love her heart. She is um, um, got her degree at Yale, and then she got a master's at Harvard, and then she got two degrees in theology, evangelism, and apologetics from Oxford. So she knows what she's talking about. And today we're talking about the uh, resurrected life. And a question I had from my wingman, Terry, uh, Kerry, he said, um, did Carrie, in her studies at Oxford, have any atheist professors that hindered her search through their ardent disbelief? No. You know what's interesting? Um, I, I definitely had a, atheist uh, professors, but the more, and especially seeing them uh, debate, boy, we, we had a numerous debates. Alistair McGrath was at Oxford when I was there. I left really feeling that it took more faith to be an atheist hmm. uh, than to be a follower of Jesus, and especially looking at um, the the evidence for the resurrection and that historical fact and the, the history of the Christian faith and how it developed and the veracity of Scripture. Honestly, I, I, I left uh, more convinced than ever, and the atheist, it really showed me that it it took uh, more of a step of of belief to be an atheist than it did to actually be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I, I left more convinced. I love it. But a lot of people were worried. Wow, when you don't go to Oxford, it's going to kill your faith. And and I left even uh, stronger believer than ever. Yeah. So. To God be the glory. Thank you for that. <laughs> and and I love I love Bill your. A scripture for the day about following the commands of Jesus, and as what we're about to get into is the the resurrection life. Um, but we're looking at the the what happened when those first followers turned away from God's way of love, um, and and we're about to get into how Jesus reversed it through His death and resurrection. But we were looking at those 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 areas of brokenness. And the first was internal brokenness that happened. Um, The second, you know, not feeling Adam hid. We're not comfortable in our own skin. We want to hide. The second was uh, social brokenness. The blame game started. And, of course, we're seeing division, uh, human division, um, at such an unparalleled scale right now in in the history of the world. The third is it was vocational brokenness. All of a sudden, God says, look, Adam, work it, Work was a joy at the beginning, but now it's going to be a toil, and childbearing is going to be painful. And, and But that vocational brokenness, I think we see it too. I've talked with a lot of young people saying, what am I supposed to do with my life? 
or people who are retired, a, a sense of feeling meaningless and purposeless, lack of rudder, and people are kind of searching for their purpose. So that was a result um, of the fall. The fourth, of course, is physical brokenness and death. Death entered the world. Death was not part of God's original plan. And part of that physical uh, brokenness, we see it in diseases. We see it in challenges with mental health. And, of course, we see it in death. And then the fifth, and I'm I'm moving fast because I want to get to the resurrection here. The, the fifth, of course, is spiritual brokenness and death. Um, there was a chasm between humanity and God. That relationship that we were made for, I mean, we were, our, as St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. And Blaise Pascal, the great philosopher, said that all human beings have a God-shaped hole in it, is, in us is how he described it. And we do because we were made to be in relationship with God. And so we look through the history of the call of Israel. We look at the coming of Jesus, that that God, God's plan, immediately that promise in Genesis 3, the offspring of a woman will crush the head of a serpent. So we see God's plan to restore us um, coming. So, so, and here in his fullness is the coming of Jesus with the purpose um, to, to defend defeat those things that came to kill us and to breathe resurrection life, restoration and resurrection into us. And so Jesus came. Jesus came with his face fixed like flint towards Jerusalem. And we we see him. He says that he's come to he came to seek and save the lost. He came to not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so now, Bill, I want to get into the resurrection life. So on the cross, Jesus took on all of that brokenness, all of that division, all of that sin, all of that death, Everything that seeks to choke the very life out of every single one of us, because as I said at the beginning, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came to destroy that very one. I love in Colossians, it says that on the cross, God defeated the spiritual tyrants and made a sham sham, uh, authority of them that he just, he just, he just um, overturned him. So what did he overturn? And let's look at those five areas again that seek to kill us and see that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he broke the the stronghold, the choke of that, and he breathes his resurrection life. So here are the five areas. Number one, internal resurrection we go from hiding not knowing who we are and the resurrection spirit says you are beloved children of god as john begins his gospel for everyone who believes 
you have the right to become children of God, not not born of 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 a man's way, but born of God. So that is who we are. We are children of God. We are the apple of God's eye. He loves us with an everlasting love. He will never, ever, ever leave us nor forsake us. So that is resurrection. Internal resurrection and restoration happens through the resurrection spirit. The second is social resurrection happens. How does it? Remember in the fall, total blame game. Everyone's blaming each other. What happens through the death and resurrection of Jesus is not only do we receive forgiveness by the shed blood of Jesus, but because we have been forgiven, we are then able to forgive others. We then, as followers of Jesus, become, we are on the front line as peacemakers, as reconcilers. How is it? I just, a friend of mine uh, just did an incredible documentary called Unforgivable on the Rwandan genocide about a woman who saw a man from uh, from the other tribe come in and chop up her baby in front of her and then chop off her left arm. And because she is a follower of Jesus, and by that forgiveness that has been given to her through the resurrection spirit and the resurrection spirit only, Bill, she then came back, and this man came after he had spent years in prison, returned to her, and asked for her forgiveness. Not only did she forgive him, they are now in ministry together, speaking on the power of forgiveness that is only possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Wow, that's that is unbelievable. Yeah. That is resurrection life. Yeah. I mean, how is I was, you know, in Egypt when ISIS um, beheaded all the uh, a number of the uh, of the the young men followers of Jesus, and the, they asked a mother, "What do you want to say?" And she said, "May they come to know Jesus, and I forgive them. Only by the blood of Jesus is that possible." So. So um, the internal resurrection, social resurrection, the third is vocational resurrection. Bill, what I love and what part of my work as an evangelist is to say to the church, don't let the labels of the world be placed on you. Employed, unemployed, defined by whatever job you have or whatever job you don't have or retired i always say don't be retired be refired because we uh you know baron i don't have children you know um for a long time in my 30s that was very painful because oh wow all my friends have children i don't have children the world wants to say ah you're barren i'm sorry but what does the resurrection life say the resurrection life says that we are ambassadors for Christ, we are ambassadors for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords until our final breath. 
And while we still have breath, even if we're on our deathbed and all we can do is pray for the expansion of the kingdom of God, that is powerful. The prayers of the righteous are mighty in effect. So vocation, what are we to do with our lives? Who are we? What is our purpose? Our purpose is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, to know him and to make him known. What an extraordinary extraordinary commission we have it's powerful i mean you know i always thought wouldn't it be great to be an ambassador in paris france or something but (laughs) my goodness bill we get to be ambassadors for the kingdom of god yeah um so that vocational resurrection the fourth is physical resurrection what does that mean well Definitely, uh, we see the kingdom of God breaking in in all kinds of ways. Um, I just was uh, with a a great leader from the the Navajo land, from the Navajo reservation. Revival is breaking out there. Greg and I go to Cuba. Uh, my husband Greg has been 48 times to Cuba. You know, we saw someone get their eyesight back. Um, extraordinary. So miracles do happen like that, for sure. Um, But again, not all of us are going to receive that. But one thing we know for sure in this life is that if we have trusted Jesus, if we have said yes and be Lord of my life, Jesus, we will experience the resurrection in our final breath, because our final breath in this life is not the end. No. We have been given the gift of of eternal life, and death has been defeated. Mm. So we don't grieve as though we have no hope. We no. rejoice. Yeah. So, so that's that physical resurrection, that that. Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection from the dead, and we as believers have that resurrection spirit. We can experience that. And we get glimpses of of healing in, in daily life. Um, I've certainly experienced healing from depression. We get We get glimpses, but it's normally a process. And then that final breath, death has been defeated, so we are a people of hope. Mm-hmm. You are and, on a... You were on a roll, sister, but I do have to take a okay. one, one more break. And then we'll okay. be right back with Carrie Headington. We continue to discuss living the resurrection life. We'll be right back. Thanks, Bill. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. I'm back with Carrie Headington. We're talking about living the resurrected life, and I'm loving this. I love I love where we're going with this, Carrie. I know we've got one more to talk about, but then there's lots more to follow up with. Yes, well, the final one uh, of course, is the gift of spiritual resurrection that we, through 
the cross, the power of the cross, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can be totally restored in that relationship from the very beginning that we were made for. We can be um, totally reconciled to God forever through the shed blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we experience his Holy Spirit. Jesus said uh, before he ascended into heaven, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you my spirit to be with you to the end of the age. He said, I will be with you to the end of the age. So the resurrection spirit, Bill, we are restored, we are ransomed, we are redeemed, and Jesus pours out his resurrection spirit into each one of us. And so now we're asking in this final bit, and maybe we'll have time for questions, but in this final bit, Bill, so it's like, okay, I understand that in my head about the resurrection. How do I live that life? How do I live in that strength? And um, I would say the first thing is, is scripture and prayer praise, fellowship, um, those four things. So begin with the Word of God. And I encourage you in the areas of of these five areas, internal resurrection, what, are, what words are you saying about yourself? I think studies show 80% of our thought life is negative. Root yourself in the Word of God and what it says says about you and say resurrection spirit get that word in you know in god the lord says to joshua meditate on my word day and night and you will be successful in all you do that that word meditate is haga that hebrew word which is to chew to chew like a cow to chew it and swallow it and chew it again and so but but I one thing I did to get more of the resurrection spirit in me is I wrote down all the lies that were choking me and I replaced them with the truth of the living God. Oh, I could never be forgiven of that. No, by his stripes I am forgiven. I feel so weak today. Uh my flesh says and I get into the word of God that says um in our weakness he is strong. So I say, "Wow, you know, okay, I feel weak today. That's okay because when I feel especially weak, that's when, as Paul says, I, I'm I'm all the stronger because I'm relying on the strength of God and the power of his resurrection spirit. So I look at the internal. I look at the social um, resurrection. Who do I need to forgive? And if I can't forgive them, we can't in our own strength, Bill. So we say, resurrection, Holy <laughs> Spirit, help me to forgive. Help me to want to want to forgive. Um, vocational, uh, vocational resurrection, to say, Lord, I'm your ambassador today. Help me to be aware of your nudges for whom you want me to make that phone call. Walk across the street. Give someone a word of encouragement. Pray with someone. That kind of spirit physical, whatever um, 
physical thing we're facing to say, Holy Spirit, you know, help me, give me strength to make it through this. Um, Of course, we always pray for healing, but I know, you know, in my own life, uh, sometimes I might still have depression, but it doesn't have a grip on me like it used to because I've asked the Holy Spirit, the resurrection spirit, to come in and and to to take away that sting. And then spiritual, you know, spiritual resurrection, that restoration with our Lord. Is there anything, you know, we need to ask forgiveness from the Lord? And he said he is ready and waiting to forgive. You know, the prodigal son, he says the father's like a father waiting on tiptoe. And and when he, we come to him, he wipes he wipes us um um wipes our slate clean he throws a robe around us and says my son or daughter was lost and now they're found and it's that kind of abiding he said abide in me and you will bear much fruit so as we abide in that resurrection life but we got to get into the word of god and look at what the word of god says and Align because the word of God is 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 the truth. It's living. It's active, and so we've got to meditate on that word. And then the second is to pray, and to pray. You know, I pray. You know, come Holy Spirit, come and resurrection. Breathe your resurrection life. Of course, we have that spirit within us already as believers. Um, but to ask, you know, what we have not because we ask not. So to ask, Lord, help my stinking thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, give me strength today. Um, help me forgive that person. And then, of course, um, we were made one of the best ways just to be living that resurrection life uh, Bill is to praise the Lord. Um, the word is in the scripture. It says God inhabits the praises of His people, and that word for inhabit there is the the intimacy of a husband and wife. It is so close that when we praise the Lord, He comes inside. He dwells in us, and that resurrection spirit just wells up. Um, I've have I've had wonderful spiritual mentors throughout my life, um, wonderful women of God who have said, you know, okay, Carrie, you've shared what's bringing you sorrow and sadness, and now we're going to start to praise the Lord. And boy, it's like a spiritual muscle. As you start flexing that muscle of praise, and I just got into a habit like, okay, I've cried about this, and now I'm going to start to praise the Lord. And we see the psalmist do that, don't we? Yeah, they re- sure do. They remind God who he is, and they remind him of his promises, and then they remember what he's done for them. And then they, even though they begin the psalm with, gosh, I, my tongue's on the roof of my mouth. I've been wringing my hands all night. I feel like I'm in the pit. Then as they start to praise in these psalms, it ends in ascent. It ends in it ends in that resurrection life, and you just see life being breathed into the psalmist. It's so exciting. And, of course, my, my last thought on all of this is we can't do it alone. 
Um, And that's why we have the body of Christ. We were meant to fellowship. We are meant to encourage one another. And moments when uh, we we are in the pit, we need a fellow believer who is walking in the power of the resurrection to remind us of this reality. Mm. You've done such a nice job of doing that, Carrie. There's many that have a sense of drudgery in their life, or maybe they feel their life is boring or monotonous or routine, but that's not the life that God calls us to. He calls us to one of abundance, and you have encouraged us to be mindful of that. So thank you for spending time with us today. Oh, I've loved it, Bill. Thanks, Carrie. May we all have life and life in abundance that Jesus has for us. Amen. Have a great rest of the day and say hi to Greg. Okay. Thanks, Bill. You bet. You bet. Bye-bye. Carrie Headington has been my guest. We're going to take a break and we come back. It's the Sunburnt Series with Dr. Peter Kapsner. We're going to talk to Dr. Walt Laramore. He's written a book called Fit Over 50. I think one of the things is don't get sunburned. So that's going to be a conflict for the Sunburnt Series. I don't know. It's all next. I can't wait to spend more time with you, and I'm excited to talk to Walt Laramore about his book, Fit Over 50. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.